Does everyone have a program? No, he needs the popcorn to go with it, right? I want to start on the back. Let's start on the back. Because I can. Now here's the five minutes that are either going to inspire you or I may never see you again. But I'm hoping it'll inspire you. Look at me. I want us to be a big church. I want us to be a big church. But I want you to know why I want us to be a big church. Because many people get it wrong when they hear big. Many people think big, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we had a bigger auditorium? Well, we'll use this one four or five times a week. Then we'll think about getting a bigger auditorium. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a, a big church because then we could have a fancier uh, media and sound and we could have smoke and stuff on the stage. And, and, I, and you know what? Joe and I come from a church that did all of that. And some weeks the spirit was there and some weeks the smoke was there. But there was no guarantee. There was no guarantee because you had one, you had the other. We've also been in really tiny churches. We pastored one church that I brought to my other church that I was pastoring. I said, you need to go help me with this. We went into the church. I said, I can't even read my Bible here when I'm speaking. I'd have to, when I was preaching, I'd walk over to the window, turn my Bible this way and read it. And so I brought people from, from our Folsom church to that church. And I said, you need to help me. And one of the teenagers came and said, Pastor, I got on a ladder. 46 of your light bulbs are out. And I reached in my wallet and I said, go down to the hardware store and take a few out so you get the right kind, but please do that. And for the, the next week, I was able to read without having to go to the window. Literally, I had to go to the window and turn it like that. Those people had lost all hope. So we've been in it all. We've been from the big to the little and in between. But I want us to be a big church. I want us to be a huge church. But let me explain what I mean by that. I want us to be a church that is big-hearted. And I want us to be a church with a big vision. Because we live in a community that needs us to be a big church. Now, I'm going to really go into a point that for some of you is a deep wound. When I was a younger man and could fit into the size 32 pants... Every morning I'd listen to KNBR, the sports leader, on the way to work. This shows you how long ago it was. It was Frank and Mike in the morning. Anybody remember Frank and Mike? Frank, Dill, and Mike Clary. Mike Clary, Bowling for Dollars, Channel 2 on Saturday. Some of you, I'm speaking words. It's like, yeah, and you saw the dinosaurs too. I get that. But Frank and Mike one morning... We're reading this study that came out. I think it was Rand McNally that studied the top 300 and something metropolitan areas in the United States. And Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, the town that could have a river burn, was one. There you have it. 
And uh, yeah, it was, it was when Heather was, was on her way. And so they called a radio station in Pittsburgh from KMBR San Francisco, 68, the sports leader. And they were talking and they said, yes, and your poor Yubba City is last. That's what the Pittsburgh radio station said. I have jokingly referred to this town as Yubba City ever since <laughs> that in 1985. Now, we can laugh about that, and hopefully that's how you view it, because it's really not a study of quality of life. It's certainly not a, it's not a study of the comparison of the quality of the people. It's just saying, well, do you have opera? Thank God we don't. You know, it's looking at amenities that make a city a city. You know what I'm saying? And they took Yuba City and Marysville, and I think they brought in Oroville, and they had to put a really wide net to even get enough population to qualify for the study. Do any of you remember that? Do you realize that that can really impact a community? It can affect its spirit. Here's why I want us to be a big church. Because there's a small-minded mentality that can reign over a place that can keep people and keep a community under bondage. And if you're spiritually attuned, you walk this town and you feel it everywhere. Now, that's, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about over a community. It's, it's here. And sometimes, if you don't have Jesus, if you don't, let me take out the sometimes. If you don't have Jesus, that mentality can become your mentality. And your kids grow up in that, and they don't feel they have a future because we're here. I grew up in a town. The reason I know this, I grew up in Sonora, California. And what you did in Sonora is you grew up and you took over daddy's business, or you went to work and took daddy's job at the lumberyard. I watched so many kids that I went to school with that, that they, had, they had no future. They were stuck in a town. I went off to college, got a couple of degrees, and then was invited by my home church to come back as associate pastor and school administrator. And the big news for that town and for our church was, Mark went off to the university. It was a bachelor's degree. I got an education in, in theology. That's whoopee. Do you hear me? So I know what I'm speaking of. That spirit can be prevalent over a community. It's, the, it's a spirit that the adversary and his minions put over a place. Why do I want us to be a big church? So that we can take dominion against those things and get it broken so that you have a future, your children have a future, your grandchildren have a future, that hope is birthed in everyone's heart, and they have the ability to see that the life of Jesus can change them. It's really hard to receive a message of hope when you are, have a spirit of hopelessness on you. It needs to be broken. Thank you, too. It's going to be an empty week next week. Why do I want a big church? I've just told you. But here's what I mean by a big church. A big church is made up of big people. Now, I'm not suggesting we all become morbidly obese. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that. 
What I mean by big people is people that are big in the spirit. And I'm not talking about the smoke and mirrors kind of, ooh, I felt this, I'm not talking that. I'm talking to people that are big in their spirit because they have overcome. And so I'm going to teach the next seven, eight, ten weeks, however long the Lord allows me to, about how we can overcome because as we overcome in things, guess what? We'll be big people. And a big people make big church. You notice I didn't say anything about attendance. Because my heroes were not always big. David is not the big guy. Saul's the big guy. But he's a little person. But David's a big guy because he's overcome. So, now the question I'm going to risk, I'll see how honest you are. You just still love me. Do you think you might come back? Don't raise your hand on that. I'll just. I love you. I love you. I am so thrilled at how quickly we've been received by this church family. And I'm so thrilled at how quickly our spirit is responding and we're being bonded together. Does it mean we don't have differences? Sure we do. Does it mean as a church we don't have problems? Sure we do. You know, we need a greeter besides Jill. We need a singer besides Michaela. Nothing about Michaela. It's just it, you, get, you get one day of laryngitis, we're going to all be up here humming. You know what I'm saying. So, On the back is what I know I'm going to teach on. Overcoming Rejection, the story of Mark O'Connell. It's my story. It's my story. You'll say, why? You don't look like you rejected. You were a pastor's kid. Everything went perfect for you. No, my mother abandoned me as an infant. And that impacted my entire life until I realized it was there. A spirit of rejection was on me. And I had to agree with Jesus to break it. I was only married about 25 years when that happened. I lived my life with her with a fear that she would leave at any moment because every other woman in my life had rejected me. It impacted everything I did. Come back if you want to hear that story. It has a good ending, yes. Overcoming doubt. Did you know doubt's not a sin? Unbelief is a sin. Doubt is not a sin. Overcoming unforgiveness. Overcoming discouragement. Ever been discouraged? Yeah, I woke up and I was discouraged. Overcoming fear. Ever been afraid? Overcoming death. And I don't mean just, do you realize fear and death kind of are tied to each other? You really don't have fear of fear. You have fear of dying. It's like people say, I have a fear of heights. No, you don't. You have a fear of splatting. Amen. It's the truth. Yeah. Let me just put it like it is. You know, it's not the, I'm afraid of heights. No, you're not. You're just afraid of plat. That's what you're afraid of. Overcoming shame. 
you're going to discover that Jesus dealt with shame. Overcoming sickness. And the curse of comparison. That's the ones I know. Ask Dale. She's already printed off of next week's program. I'm, so, here's the question. Have you been overcome? Or are you an overcomer? Then you see in the word cloud things like doubt, fear, shame. But I submit to you this morning that we were created to be overcomers in life, to be victorious. So now if you want to go to the first page and the first fill-in, there it is. Man was created to overcome in life, to be victorious. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Don't worry, you're fine. I have extra verses. I always keep a few in reserve. They will reign over fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, like Maggie Jill's dog. <laughs> now, the verse you have is a verse later. God blessed them, who? Adam and Eve, and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. May I submit to you that things that scurry along the ground might even have been snakes. Think of what it says. I want you to reign over them. Let me use a, for those of you that are into religious terms, I want you to have dominion, dominion over them. I don't want them to have dominion over you. I want you to have dominion over them. So who was in charge of the earth? Man. Number two, man was overcome by sin's deception. You could put Satan's there if sin bothers you. Or you could put the serpent. Isn't it interesting? They're all S's. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says, The serpent was the shrewdest of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Think about that. The serpent was the shrewdest. It wasn't a mutation. It said it was the shrewdest the Lord God had made. Why do you think Satan chose to inhabit the body of a serpent? Thank you. For those of you listening online, the answer was shrewd. <laughs> Can you tell I'm on cold meds today? Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. 
Now, one day he asked the woman, did God really say, I want you to understand the source of everything, including doubt, comes right here. Did he really say that to you? Did he really say that? Did he really say that? What does Satan always do? Make you question the authenticity of what God has said. That's why it's important that you know what God said so you can rely on it. Because if, if you just hear Satan's interpretation of what God said, it might be wrong all the time. One day I asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any tree in the garden? Well, you know what he said. He said, he didn't say anything about the tree of life. Think about it. Man could go eat the tree of life and live forever. No prohibition over that. The one thing, which tree? Knowledge of good and evil. And the minute man ate of the that tree and was disobedient to the command of the Lord, man died. Well, physically, they didn't fall down and croak right then, but spiritually, they did. And from that moment on, some things happened. It says, the man said, since you listened to your wife, and, and he said to the man, this is God, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you, you are not to eat. The ground is cursed because of you. All of your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. From now on, you will be oppressed. You will be overcome. Now here's the good news. Some of you say, why did God kick him out of the garden? That was a gift. Well, that sounds like a mean God. I knew that just lines up with my picture of him. No, that's a gift of grace. Because you don't want to live forever in the condition of struggling with sin and being overcome all the time. That's why he banished them. Because you know what? They might go eat of that tree and live, live forever. In a lost condition. Well, think about it. The wages of sin is death. Something has to die. I don't want to live as sin, Mark. I want to live forever as righteous, glorified body, Mark. So what happens? Man is conquered by sin's consequences, Colossians 3.25. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done. And that's without partiality. In other words... You break a rule, you're going to have the outcomes of that. And it, it's not God's picking on you. It's just a rule. I don't know anybody if they jump off a tall building doesn't have the consequence of splat. It just is. Romans uh, 6.23. I'm going to read it in the message. But now that you've found you don't have to listen to sin... 
tell you what to do and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, what a surprise. A whole healed, put together life right now with more and more of life on the way. Work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life delivered by Jesus our master. Psalms 112 prophesies about people. Listen to this. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. I think being long remembered, I'm going to live forever. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation. So what do we see there? Man's conquered by sin's consequences. He's also crushed by sin's penalties. And I'm just going to get, I have just verses and words. Let me read the verses and you can see where they came from. Job 20, 22, in the midst of plenty, they will run into trouble and be overcome by misery. Have you ever been miserable? I'm not talking a cold misery. I'm just talking life is miserable. I think we've all had that. That's part of sin's penalty. Jeremiah 8.21, I hurt with the hurt of my people. I mourn and am overcome with grief. Have you ever had grief and you couldn't be consoled? There was no words that someone could say to you that made it better. Bless you. Another area is terror and fear. Look at this in Ezekiel 7. Terror and trembling will overcome my people. They will look for peace but not find it. That's a pretty lousy deal. Discouragement and unbelief, Mark 9.24. The father instantly cried, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. 2 Corinthians 2. However, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he might be overcome by discouragement. Here's the good news. Number three. Jesus overcame on our behalf. Jesus overcame on our behalf. Isn't that fantastic? Let's go back here. Let's do a quick recap. We're in Genesis 3. The snake says, did God really say? Oh, no. So they eat the fruit. Guess what? From now on, life's going to be tough. And guess who had authority? Well, man had authority. And in Genesis 3, when we sinned, who did we give it to? Satan. But here's the good news. Jesus went to the cross, and that's wonderful. And he was in the tomb, and that's wonderful. But what's even better is he came out of the tomb. And because he lives, we shall live also. And he tells us later on, guess what happened that day? All authority has been given to me. I'm back in charge. I'm in charge for you. And guess what I'm going to do later on? He says, I'm going to give you authority. In other words, Jesus put it all back. We're back before Genesis 3. Isn't that fantastic? And in Genesis 3, before the sin, you were overcomers. So guess what you are now? You're overcomers. You don't have to be overcome. You don't have to live life like, I'm not going to get through this. I'm not going to get through this. Hear me, the things that you think have had you forever, and you think, I'll never get over this. Jesus says to you this morning, you are overcomers. Hear me. Amen. Jesus overcame on our behalf. Thank you, Lord. John 16, 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace. 
here on earth, you have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. You know what that means? Be encouraged. Because I have overcome the world. Because I have overcome, guess what? You can overcome. Here's what we know. As I said earlier, the wages of sin is death. Here's the good news. He overcame the penalty of sin. He paid it. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 2, it's prophesied. You will give him the name Yeshua, Joshua, which means Savior. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. It's in his name. For those of you that like Paul... 2 Corinthians 5 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Jesus. So he overcame sin. Guess what else happened? He defeated Satan. He defeated Satan in Hebrews chapter 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him, who's him, Satan, who holds the power of death, that is the devil. The devil, Satan, adversary, Lucifer, same guy. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. To free those who have been Overcome. So you notice that brought death into the sentence. So let's look at this. He conquered death. In Romans 6, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The same guy that no longer has death has mastery over said, Because I live... You shall live also. There, I can do that and it doesn't mess up the mic, right? All right, number four. We become overcomers through incredible amount of self effort, will, willpower, and positive thinking. That's how most of us live. And if you don't believe me, go in the bookstore and go in the section, how to get over this and how to get over that and how to get over this. And some people, you've got to pay them a lot of money. You know, I'm not against counselors. I'm not against therapy. All those things are wonderful. But I've also found that Jesus can kind of do some things just just amazing amount of time. This sermon today was birthed in me on a Sunday when I was preaching a sermon. to the tiniest church we ever pastored. And I was talking about whom the sun sets free indeed. And as I said that, I went like this. And Jesus is clear. He said, I've freed you from those things that you have wrestled with your whole life. And I had to just stop and stand there in front of our church and say, well, it just happened. It was like, it's like the Lord spoke. 
those deep, dark, hidden things that you've never been able to even acknowledge that are there, I've taken care of those. And it was amazing, the transformation. It happened in a moment's time while I was preaching. That's where this comes from. Can you tell that this is something I feel because it's something I've experienced and I want us to experience it so that we can be a big people because if we're a big people, we'll be a big church and we can break the chains and the things that are on this community that we can, we can be a beacon, a lighthouse where people come when they're hurt and they don't just come in and get, oh, well, bless God, just sit here for 40, 50 years and, and we'll anoint you with oil a couple times and you might feel okay. No, they can come. And, and the curse of sin be broken from their life and the bondage to the things of Satan and the family curses that have been on them forever and the curses that have been on this community can be broken and they have life and hope and a future. That's what it's about. We become overcomers through Christ. I should have left more room in your notes because in mine it says we're no longer victims but victors. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who puts up with us. No, Christ who loves us. We have been liberated from sin's mastery. Liberated, that's your fill in A. Romans 6.14 Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Isn't it interesting? It says you don't live under the requirements of the law. Sin's not your master. You didn't know there was sin until there was a law. I'm driving from Sacramento to Marysville, and I'm driving as fast as that Mirai will go, which is pretty fast. But that car is so smart, it reads the signs, and it says right on there the speed limit is. It does. It puts it right on the screen. Do you know it's 65? My car tells me so. Then I know I'm speeding. Because if the law said just drive as you feel safe, well, in that car I feel really safe because it's, it's so smart it says somebody's pulling up on you. It flashes little lights if they're inside of you. If you're getting too close, it slows down. Then if you get too close, it puts a big sign on the thing, brake. And then if you don't, then it yells at you, brake. And if you don't do anything, it just puts on the brakes. I'm not kidding. It, it just I could sit in the back and sermon prep. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Now, let me tell you what grace isn't. Grace isn't this mantra, free from the law, happy condition. I sin as I please and still have remission. No, grace says... The curse, the bent of sin, the tendency of sin is broken. So now you can choose to do right. So just choose it because you can. Before you couldn't. Are you with me? 
We're freed from law's curse. Galatians, that's B. Galatians 3. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he hung on the cross, he took on himself the curse of our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scripture, cursed is everyone who's hung on the tree. Revelation says, the one who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he'll never leave it. As we close, here's what I know. To overcome, you're going to fight. But you're going to win. To overcome fear, you're going to have to fight. But you're going to win. To overcome doubt, you're going to have to fight, but you're going to win. To overcome unforgiveness, you're going to have to fight, but you're going to win. To overcome rejection, guess what? You're going to fight, but you're going to win. All of those things on that back page, you're going to have to fight. It's a skirmish because the war's over. It's just the adversary has convinced us that we're still under it. You're going to fight, but you're going to win. You're going to win. You're going to win. Whatever it is, you're going to win. You're going to fight, but you're going to win. You don't have to live your life overcome by stuff. Jesus came and said, I have overcome the world. Guess what? I have been given all authority. I'm going to give it to you. You're going to be overcomers in this life. Woohoo! I told you I'd get done early. My wife's praising Jesus right now. What's my next slide? I know I put a verse in there. Go ahead and run it. Maybe I'll read it. No one is like you, Lord. You're great. And your name is mighty in power. That's why you're going to win. Because you're going to move out of fighting a war in your own strength, and you're going to move into fighting a war in the authority of Jesus because he's given you the power of his name. You may have to click an arrow. I don't know. Oh, it died. You have the power. Do whatever you want during this song. I know it's an oldie, but I'm an old guy.
simplify your name, your name. This is why you're going to win. Your name is a shelter like no other. Your name, let the nation sing it louder. Because nothing has the power to say. But your name. a shelter like no other your name let the nation sing aloud nothing has the power to save but your a strong and mighty tower is <coughs> a shelter like no other 
your name. Let the nation sing it louder. Nothing has the power to say your name is a strong and mighty tower. Is a shelter like no other. Your name. Let the nation sing it louder. Nothing has the power to say. Do you get it? You're going to fight. You're going to fight, but you're going to win. And the reason you're going to win is because Jesus. You're going to fight it in his authority. That's what it means, your name. So over the next few weeks, as we're together, we're going to touch on some of those things that some of us have struggled with everyone on the list is mine so that's <laughs> kind of cool we're going to look at those and, and some you're going to identify with and I just, I'm just going to beg you to say Jesus help me during this season to see the truth of your word and experience the reality of your liberation that you bring me by your spirit and by your forgiveness and by your grace that you can overcome the things that have been habits and patterns in your life forever be broken because if you can change the way you think, you change the way you live. And if you look at all of those, almost all of those are things the way you think, the way you per perceive things. Jesus came to make us overcomers. Stop being overcome in Jesus' name. So I pray for this, your people, Father. We've been made more than conquerors, overcomers in this life because you conquered sin, hell, death, Satan, all of that on the cross of Calvary, and you declared victory by your resurrection. And you have come to restore everything that was stolen. Make us a victorious people. Make us a big people so that we can be a big church of influence, seeing others to come to know you as Savior and Lord and experiencing the same grace, power, and freedom that we enjoy. And we'll thank you for it, Father. Amen and amen. God bless you and have a great, great week.